Hi, and welcome to the CCB Weekly Check-In Podcast with your host, Timothy Prendergast. It's 2021. We have an evolving podcast where we hear from our people, their stories, and learn and develop along the way. So sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Weekly Check-In Podcast. Welcome in to the weekly check-in podcast with me, Tim Prendergast. It's uh, mid-July and the sun is certainly shining where I am, which is very welcome for a number of reasons, not only with the inclement weather that we certainly experienced during uh, June and the early part of July, but also hopefully getting those spirits lifted slightly after the uh, the disappointment of the Sunday evening. Uh, to share with me uh, this podcast, we have uh, the wonderful... Colin Willis-Croft. Colin, welcome into the podcast. How's it going and uh, you know, what's the vibe like two days on after the, the big final? Hi Tim, thank you. Um, I've not been, I don't think I've been called wonderful before, so thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much. De- delighted to be here. Good afternoon uh, to everyone that's listening. Um, yeah, of course, uh, kind of day, day two of reflection. Um, look, very fundamentally very, very proud of what, what we achieved. Fantastic, uh, fantastic achievement to to get to the final and look it was it was you know it was one of those well getting ready for the game head and heart were telling me quite different things unfortunately (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) but um yeah up against probably the best side in the tournament um and yeah I and several of my team albeit not all of my team because we've got we've got people from uh from uh, other uh, other nations uh, within the team but uh yeah (laughs) Little bit, little bit tired and emotional on uh, on on Monday morning, but I think uh, I think people have picked up again now. They've kind of reflected on what we did achieve. Indeed, indeed. Um, yes, I certainly had tears before bedtime with my eight year old on on Sunday, and I had to regale them with oh, nice. all black woes when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. We've all lived through it. We've all lived through it. Yeah, yeah, we have. Hey, Colin, um, I know many um, would have sort of, uh, or many are familiar with you. You're, you're very well known throughout CCB and, and you kind of introduced yourself as well to um, to colleagues that wouldn't have known you through the CCB Bulletin a, uh, a few weeks back. But uh, take this question whichever way you want to take it. Um, who are you, Colin? Ah, oh, who am I? Um, thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, con- conscious. Some, some. There'll be lots of people who I've uh, not worked with or met before. Uh, fundamentally, a bit of p- kind of potted history. Really, uh, grew up on a farm in the Midlands. Uh, so, fa- farmer's son. Um, now uh, a very proud working dad, uh, living in Manchester. So, husband to Louise, father to a two and a half year old called Seb, and in fact. Uh, baby number two, surprise gender, we don't know, uh, due in four weeks. Oh. So uh, you've caught me at a good time <laughs> because my, my world's about to uh, turn upside down again. Um, career background, a, a little a little mixed, a little diverse. I was, I was a teacher for a period and I was also in the military for a bit. Um, more recently, banking background at both HSBC, where I started as a, as a graduate worked in large corporate teams uh in the UK and overseas and then joined Santander almost eight years ago now um initially as a relationship director um and more recently in in leadership roles in both commercial banking and in uh, and business banking and then aside from all that um as we've spoken about before I pack in as much exercise as I've got the time to uh, just to keep me sane and healthy in the uh, in the gaps, basically. 
Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You've sort of, so you've seen eight years in, in Santander and I mean, it's must almost be a year and a half since um, since you guys came across into CCB. You, you hit up the, the Commercial Direct team. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Commercial Direct? What's its what's its remit? And I guess looking back now over the last sixteen months, how have sort of uh, you know, the the events of the of the globe, the, the pandemic and so forth, how's that affected sort of um, business in, in in your world? Yeah, of course. Um... So, what is commercial direct? So, as as you've said, we're 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 sat within uh, CCB, uh, and then within that, we're sat within the commercial clients division. So, um, within John Baldwin's John Baldwin's uh, business, uh, we relationship manage. Careful, cho- careful choice of words. We relationship manage um, twenty seven thousand CCB clients. Um, wow. So, a, a very large portfolio. Um, they look they're an incredible it's an incredibly diverse portfolio so it ranges from literally at one end startups which might have been referred to as out of business banking because they require international products and support that business banking doesn't have within its proposition so we will have some businesses literally just starting to generate revenue all the way through to at the other end of the spectrum um we support businesses all the way through the commercial clients and the OCC uh, perimeter because we've got clients that uh, what some people will know as is the ex CDRT portfolio so large corporate um, you know hundreds of millions of pounds of, uh, of turnover where perhaps they don't need or require or desire um, you know monthly or quarterly contact from a relationship director in OCC um, and they might it might be a liabilities only relationship it might be a servicing only relationship um, and, th- and therefore we manage it the big the big trend as you've you know just alluded to since since we transitioned across into ccb um the strategy is all about uh moving from being a moving from being reactive relationship management of that portfolio through to being proactive because i'm sure you everyone will appreciate how much opportunity there is in that portfolio both for us as Santander, but also for the clients in terms of the amount of support we can provide to them that they perhaps haven't been able to enjoy or been aware of before. Um, but we can only do that with two things, with, with great people, which thankfully we've already got and we've been, we've been recruiting throughout COVID, um, but also about being really intelligent about where we spend our time because it's uh, with, that, with that many clients, you can't, um, you can't be all things to all of them. Uh, because you there isn't enough time in the day to to speak to all of them like you would want to as a relationship director. So it's about using technology and data and uh, intelligent inputs to direct our activity into the into the best areas, whether that's with a risk lens or a commercial lens or a client support lens, whatever it might be. Um, the yeah, the last sixteen eighteen months. Uh, it's change in, in in all sorts of in all sorts of ways in all sorts of directions um we've gone through that change in strategy that i've just described we've obviously joined ccb so that's been another fundamental change and we've been at the front line of of covid support for um that many clients so we've we've we're just coming up to five thousand individual government-backed loans under either the c bills or the bounce back loan scheme so been incredibly busy supporting clients um, at the same time as faced with the, the dynamics we've all been faced with, you know, working from home, 
getting used getting used to remote working. But the, the beauty of it has been, and I've not fully appreciated the scale of this because it, it creeps up on you, but it, including myself, because I joined during COVID, so there's lots of the team I've met, never met face-to-face. Yeah. Um, there are 22 of us in the team, of 42, who've joined during COVID. Yeah. Um, but the beauty is that um, it's now a much more diverse range of individuals because of flexible working we've been able to recruit from across the UK as I alluded to earlier and therefore you can recruit from people with very different backgrounds different areas of the bank different skill sets um, so yeah it's a, it's a really diverse and, and much more inclusive team which I'm very proud of um, but that doesn't happen without the existing team of uh, of, um, of 22 being so welcoming and you know embracing so many new joiners yeah well that's that's brilliant and i mean there's so much there and um amazing churn in terms of five thousand um government backed loans twenty seven thousand customers so um i know we were talking just before this about that and you, you touched on it there but i guess and we've got a learning out it's always good to, to see quite a learning hour on um on data and uh, ai and, and ml this week but i really assume that as as time goes by that sort of artificial intelligence and machine learning will be really critical to sort of teasing out you know the the real sort of prospects and 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 where that as you say the time and energy can be put into those 27,000 customers that's exactly it we've got we've got a huge wealth of data obviously um but at the moment um it's yeah it can be a very manual process um and also you know quite often um we don't necessarily know what data we've got because it's in various different places so there's a huge amount of work and this is much as you as you say much wider than just commercial direct there's a huge amount of collaboration going on within ccb and across the bank and to to really make the most of this opportunity because you as you've said ai and machine learning um that that can bring in even more intelligence into, into the inputs rather than us just being reliant on um, on individuals and their relationship managers in the team, um, you know, going with their gut feel as to where to focus next when faced with a list of a thousand things to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the opportunity is huge. And as I, as I said earlier, some, sometimes it won't it won't be with a purely commercial driver. It, it it can be from an MPS perspective. It can just be from a a really nice soft client support perspective um, mm. so yeah really 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 we've started to test the water but there's um yeah so much more we can be doing yeah absolutely and i mean also you you touched on that absolute benefit and opportunity that's been that COVID has actually created in terms of building that diverse team that you have you know both from a flexible working perspective but you know having uh, perspectives from all across the the UK as well. I mean, that links nicely to the next piece because I think since day one, you've always been a really keen supporter of what we're doing in the people team and the amount of times I've lent on you to to, to support sort of various things that we've been doing. And I know you're sort of, you know, you're, uh, yourself and, and Laura are sort of the leads within our people engagement sort of representing um, commercial clients and, and commercial um, direct. I mean, where does this, and I guess maybe it's your intro sort of will, will, will link to this having a teaching and a military background, hmm. but can you talk to us about where this sort of, um, passion comes from um, but also maybe you, you you're in that leadership position now what is your approach to leadership and you know are there any sort of leaders that inspire you or a leadership style that really inspires you well there's a, there's a we could talk for hours on this tim thank you <laughs> um the, the, to, to pick up on the first bit sort of why um 
my my initial thought is just because I really enjoy it, and I'll be really honest there. I I know I get a huge amount of energy um, and engagement from collaborating, talking to others, hearing about different views, talking about things facing me, and getting support from others. So I'm a I am I know I'm a social being, and I get a huge amount of energy from it. So fundamentally, um. I think it'd be really difficult to be as engaged in such a range of initi- people initiatives if I didn't just ultimately enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but then there are other there are other dynamics that remind me sometimes to keep to keep pushing. Um, I think it's as both as a person and, and as a leader, I think it's really important that everyone has a voice. So sometimes it's my I feel it's my responsibility to to help bring other help other people have their voice so that that kind of allyship aspect is really important to me um listening to others some of some of the network exposure i get will be about things i don't know about at all or i've never lived through or i've never experienced um so just learning and developing as a person because ultimately that hopefully will make me a better husband and father and colleague and friend and and leader um and then finally, and this is the bit that kind of keeps me accountable, um, is as a leader, I, I just feel I've got a responsibility to not just say that well, well-being, collaboration, yeah. inclusion is important. I've got a responsibility to model that I actually believe what I'm saying and demonstrate what that looks like um, so that people can't. Uh, so there's no perception at all that, it, that they're just empty words. Yeah. Um, style as a leader is, yeah, th- this is a really tricky one, to be honest. Um, I think ultimately it sounds really cliched and I, d- I don't mean it to be. I take most satisfaction from, from seeing people exceed expectations. And I think, and, and that can be the expectations they've placed on themselves. It can be expectations that the people have placed on them. And I also mean that from a, from a personal perspective, one of my biggest motivators is, exceeding expectations um either my own or what other people might have placed on me um and you're right i think uh, there are obvious parallels into into teaching especially but but military roles in the past as well um i think on reflection i think there's obvious i think there's sometimes a misconception that um high performance and um people focused cultures are mutually exclusive and I actually think that that one can drive the other um and that's been consistent you know so that that kind of sustainable positive high performance culture in a really engaged fashion uh, is really really important to me and that and that's what I would like to foster amongst the, amongst the team I look after I think it's really important for me to for me to then model that myself so positive behaviors and reinforcement and being driven and I won't deny that I'm really, really competitive myself. Yeah. So I, I, I think the two can, can live hand in hand. Um, ultimately, if everyone in the team or in the business or in the, let's face it, in society feels valued, um, they'll want to excel more because they enjoy it. And everyone's ultimately, everyone's a bit happier. Um, and because well-being is high, it's much more sustainable. So it'll be, it'll be long-term for the benefit of everyone. Um, there's, there's not really anyone I've, I've never really been one to have kind of famous role models or someone I'd model my style on I've 
being really open, I've learned the hard way in some leadership roles in the past where I've tried, where I've, I've failed to be authentic, where I've tried to be what I think other people wanted of me rather than just being myself um, to the detriment of my impact as a leader and also my own, my own kind of health and well-being. Um, so it's more just, it's more important to me to go with my gut and just be the leader I think I am. Yeah. Um, and, and learn off everyone around me. So there's, you know, just picking up things that would work for you just as much as we all know, you pick up things where you go, yeah, I don't like how that happened or that just wouldn't work for me. I couldn't deliver it in that way. So I won't try because it won't be authentic. But you pick up things from you know, family and teachers and sports captains and yeah, bosses in banking. And of course, you don't have to be in a leadership position to be a good leader and mm. to be emotionally intelligent. So still picking up skills and approaches from people within my own team and colleagues elsewhere. Yeah. Fantastic. So much to, to take from that. And I really like that piece around the, you know, the, the mutual exclusivity or lack thereof <laughs> needed in terms of, you know, the, the people focusing on high performance. And I think despite, you know, disappointments of Sunday, the, the prog- progress that the uh, England football team have made over the last three or four years is, is a real example of that. Um, I think it is. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, final one from me, and we were both part of a, a panel last week um, with the commercial clients team um, talking about the people networks that exist throughout San UK. And I know you're sort of very active in, in, in several of those. And one that um, I guess is potentially the least um, known about, and I know it's the newest of the, the eight Santander people networks is the, is the military network. And I thought I might just close on a, a little bit of um, uh, insight from you, really. If you can, can you talk to us a little bit about the, the military network. And I mean, if you don't mind, it'd be great to sort of hear a little bit about your sort of military sort of background. Now, of course. Um, so I'll start with the second bit, I guess. Um, so in between school and university, I uh, spent six months at Sandhurst and then 12 months as a second lieutenant in the armoured infantry, uh, so the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. Um, adding up the years, so I left the army in 2002, so 19 years ago, which wow. yeah feels more feels more recent than, <laughs> than, than that. Um, but it's, yeah, for an incredibly formative period in my life I was 18 years old when I was when I was commanding a platoon um all, all but two were were older men than me um so very very formative at, at that age and you know huge number of lessons that I still carry with me today um it's quite in, interestingly you know it's it's it, it feels like another life in the, in the military um and once as soon as I left I mean people that are aware of kind of timings um and my, my regiment was into the gulf two months after i i left in uh, in july 2002 so it felt like that world just moved on very quickly so it's not something you know i, I almost felt like a fraud saying i was still part of that world um but it's more but more recently and the military networks really helped this in a couple of the conversations i've had with with other ex-military members at Santander, um, just actually helping me realise how much common ground and shared experience and also just a common way of thinking and approaching things we've got. So it's been really, really healthy for me. Um, The military network itself, as you say, less uh, admittedly, we'd all admit slightly less mature um, in both in age and in terms of kind of sophistication at this point versus some of the other networks. 
it's a mixture of people. It's people currently serving. So there might be territorial army or reservist members, ex-military like myself, but some having served for much longer. Um, and then also family and friends. So there's quite a, quite a few husbands and wives who work, you know, they work for Santander, but their other half is away on active service at the moment, for example, or their children are. Um, and it's that element that I've benefited, benefited from the most. And I hope to be able to provide some support is that kind of mixture of professional and personal support. So I've heard some wonderful examples of people introducing other Santander colleagues to their husband or wife so that they can talk about yeah. what it's like to be the other one in the <laughs> in the relationship. How how did they cope when their husband went away for nine months on active service, etc. So I think that that personal support side, but then also the professional network. Um, lots of people, members of the network who've who were in the military for 15, 20 years and that that very challenging return to, to Civvy Street. Um, uh, and therefore big focus on kind of learning at work and, and kind of skills exchange because we we want to obviously encourage a diversity of thought and background at Santander, but therefore there's more we can do to encourage people to, to join us from such diverse backgrounds. Um, and the most, the kind of the first explicit event uh, for the network was in uh, conjunction with the Mental Wellbeing Network. So we recently co-hosted an event on mental health and resilience. So obvious parallels uh, in the military through to, you know, goes stretches as far as, as PTSD and the long-term impacts of, um, of, of military experience on on some uh, some veterans. Yeah, for sure. Hey, um, Colin, that's brilliant. Thank you. And um, please do let us know when uh, sort of new and uh, events coming up are happening because we'll be sure to publicise them in our People Talk newsletter. Um, but thank you so much uh, for your time and, and your insights and your wisdom over the last 20 minutes or so. It's been really nice to, to chat to you. Um, all the best. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to catching up again very soon. Thanks, Tim. Really appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Cheers. Colin Willis-Croft, ladies and gentlemen, completing what has been episode number 64 of the weekly check-in podcast. What a lovely, lovely man indeed. Some uh, really refreshing uh, thoughts around leadership and uh, a very, very authentic individual indeed. Colin, thank you so much for uh, being part of the series, The Legacy uh, that is becoming the weekly check-in podcast. And if you have accessed this podcast through our People Talk newsletter this week, you would have noticed a, a little article uh, around the podcast and its history. Uh, we started way back on March 31, 2020, uh, a conversation with John Carroll. We, we got our way around the senior leadership team quite early on in lockdown, finding out Netflix recommendations, how they were spending uh, you know, the hour of, of exercise that was permitted at the time. We've evolved so far um, in that time. And over that time, 64 podcasts, over 80 CCB colleagues interviewed, would really strongly recommend you have a look, scroll down that list um, of uh, interviews of conversations of podcasts and I'm sure there's some some good listening well there very much is some great listening uh, to tuck into maybe even as you start to commute back into the office once or twice a week it could be a nice little companion along the way so that is the end that's all for us we'll see you again this time next week for our next episode but uh, until then all the very best and bye-bye for now.